Now on view at SCAD Fash, Manish Aurora's Life is Beautiful. Renowned for dazzling designs and a rainbow of colors, Manish Aurora has brought the talent and craftsmanship of India's rich sartorial history to the global forefront, earning international acclaim on runways across three continents. Designing in India since the 1990s, Aurora's glittering garments celebrate extravagant expressions of self through varied materials, techniques, and silhouettes in a triumphant union of Western and Eastern aesthetics adapted to today's multicultural society with a touch of humor. Find out more at scadfash.org. Support for WABE comes from 100 Miles, a nonprofit committed to preserving Georgia's 100-mile coast. Protecting this critical coastal ecosystem takes all of us. Watch the stories of the innovators and future leaders who help keep our coast flowing at OurGeorgiaCoast.org. W.A.B.E. in Atlanta. I'm Lois Reitzes, and this is City Lights. Thanks for listening as together we continue to navigate the reality of ongoing confinement. Drive-in movies for shelter in place and virtual summer camps are part of that reality. We'll hear about innovations from the Plaza Movie Theater and Horizons Atlanta later in the hour. First, we're fundraising today because we need your help to keep WABE going strong. But don't go anywhere. This will be short. Please help if you can at wabe.org slash donate. Joining me now is City Lights producer Summer Evans. That's wabe.org slash donate. Or you can call 678-553-9090. We need your financial support right now because it helps pay for programs like City Lights. And today we're partnering with St. Vincent de Paul, Georgia. Your one donation means a low-income essential worker will receive a week's worth of transportation assistance. So please make a donation right now by going to wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. That's wabe.org slash donate. Thanks to all of you who have already made a donation to WABE. Listeners like Denise Van Dyne in Loganville, she says, thanks so much for all the broadcasting you do. We depend on and trust you. Thanks, Denise, for your message and your support. Her donation helps make this programming possible, but we still need to hear from you. If you can afford to give, please do so right now at wabe.org slash donate. Or by calling 678-553-9090. If you're able to make a contribution of $1,200 or more, you'll become a Cornerstone member. That allows you special access to WABE events, and you'll make a big impact on the quality of programming for our community. Please give if you can at the cornerstone level. That breaks down to $100 a month. Go to wabe.org donate or call 678-553-9090. City Lights returns in about 30 seconds. Thanks for your help. Now, won't you please give at 678-553-9090. Or by going to wabe.org slash donate. It only takes a couple minutes to give. And while we'd love for you to become a Cornerstone member of $100 a month, the average gift from listeners like you is $15 a month. So please give what you can afford just by going to wabe.org slash donate or calling 678-553-9090. And thanks. The phrase... Broaden your horizons means increasing one's knowledge. Horizons Atlanta does that and more as it leads young students to discover those horizons. Alex Wan is the executive director of Horizons Atlanta. He's with us now via Zoom. Alex, welcome to City Lights. Thank you so much, Lois. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. 
Would you please introduce us to Horizons Atlanta? Sure, I'd be happy to. So Horizons Atlanta is a tuition-free summer enrichment program for children from traditionally underserved communities. We serve about 1,100 public school students across the metro Atlanta area. We focus on literacy, mathematics, and swimming. Um, Those are kind of the three cornerstones of our program. Um, But we also consider ourselves a summer enrichment program because we provide uh, additional learning opportunities like weekly field trips to local Atlanta attractions, um, social emotional learning, project-based learning experiences. And uh, we partner with colleges and universities as well as independent schools to host the programs on their campus uh, to give our scholars a chance to Um, see something different from the public school that they normally attend, and hopefully not only instill the joy of learning and curiosity in them, but also show them what's possible in terms of what their future career or uh, academic paths might be. Now, Horizons is a year-round program. You are speaking specifically about this summer camp. So yes, our program uh, focuses largely on the six-week summer enrichment um, offering that we have, but we do also do school year programming. It looks different from um, site to site. Sometimes it's after-school weekly tutoring or activities that we do. Other locations will do Saturday uh, swim and STEM events, um, holiday parties, or sometimes one-offs where we'll just uh, convene our scholars uh, that, are, that go to any particular host institution's program for a fun activity or an educational activity. We do try and maintain contact and uh, that relation, deepen the relationship with our scholars and their families throughout the year. Um, but the real kind of excitement happens during the summer. I love it that you use the term scholars for the students because it gives dignity to the fact that These kids want so much to learn. Would you explain the meaning of summer slide? Sure. Essentially what it is is that, you know, during the academic year when our scholars are in the classroom and engaging with instructional staff and different activities that a school will offer, um, they're learning and they're hopefully um, and generally gaining academic skills and making progress. However, once school lets out and they go into summer, those scholars that don't have any sort of um, enrichment activities or their families can't afford them to send them to camps or other enrichment activities during the summer will end up losing academic skill. And a lot of times um, when they start back in the fall, because they've had no real mental stimulation uh, or even sometimes physical activity, um, we'll find that they've lost anywhere from two to three months of uh, academic skill, and and that's what we call summer slide. And what's fascinating this year too, Lois, is the fact that there there have been instructors that have been talking about COVID slide. The fact that students have been out of the classroom since March, and that same phenomenon uh, is likely um, taking place for those scholars who don't have uh, as much kind of um, academic rigor or educational instructional rigor at home. and they aren't able to get as much of it through virtual learning. Oh, and many of the parents may have to leave home during the day to work, even though that's not entirely by choice. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, we're kind of looking at all the different scenarios and all the different um, environments and conditions and situations at our, our scholars' homes. And we're just going to try and do what we can this summer to help not only you know, STEM summer slide, but also see what we can do about the COVID slide as well. So that when our scholars who typically will fall further behind or, or be academically behind um, their more affluent peers in the fall, we're, we're going to try and see what we can do um, to close that gap. Where does the funding come from? So we've been fund, uh, we receive uh, support very generous support from the philanthropic community, both from foundations as well as individuals. Last year in 2019, we were lucky enough to become a partner of the State Department of Human Resources, the DFACS After School Care Program. Um, so we now get to boast that we're really a true public-private partnership, but it is all funded through either the, the government contracts 
or the philanthropic community. Um, the students and the, the families are not paying any tuition at all and, and get to attend this for free. That's a very important factor for us because, again, you know, we are looking at traditionally underserved communities that would not otherwise have the resources to be able to afford some sort of summer enrichment program. You mentioned COVID slide and summer camp is the highlight or at least the best known part of Horizons Atlanta. This summer will not be like any other. How will this year's summer camp look? So we, we are uh, among the providers that are definitely moving to a virtual online platform um, to the extent that we are able to. I mean, admittedly, some of our scholars and families, uh, we are working to make sure we can get devices and internet connectivity for them so that they are able to participate. But in those instances where we can't, um, we will definitely do send home activities or it so that they can still participate either by phone or during the check-ins that we'll do through our instructional staff. But we are you know, building out a very robust virtual experience. There will be some academic instruction. There will be a lot of social emotional learning activities as well as fun physical activities too. We want the Horizons experience, although different, to still have the same components about you know, learning, about being curious, about wanting to experience new things, wanting to be physically active, and most importantly, to feel like they are still very much part of the Horizons family. That's one of the things I like most about our program is that it's not just a one and done approach. We don't just say, hey, join us for six weeks for a year and then uh, um, we're done. Uh, we actually recruit our students as they are rising first graders and they come back every year for the next eight years until they're a rising ninth grader. We firmly believe in that relationship, but the cumulative dosage of, of our approach, I think, is what really gets us the kind of uh, academic and social emotional gains that, that we are able to boast. Yeah, and in addition, you hold various workshops and programs for scholars' families. Would you talk about what those workshops address? Sure. And that, that is something that uh, we've, again, we want to deepen the relationship that our program has with our, our scholars and their families, because we, we know it is a kind of a holistic approach that, that really helps a, a scholar and a child excel. We have worked with family parents before. We, um, a lot of our, our scholars are from Spanish-speaking families, so we've done some English-only um, courses for our, our parents. Um, we've also done financial literacy instruction for our parents as well to to kind of help them navigate financial matters, management, and, and develop those skills so that as they hopefully become more successful, they, they are prepared as well. And then we also, you know, one of the things that we started looking into and doing um, at some of our sites is uh, while we teach our, our scholars to swim during the summer, we find that our a lot of our scholars come from families that have other family members that don't know how to swim. And that's an easy enough problem to solve if we have access to a pool and um, can bring our scholars back to give them swimming refresher classes. Why not invite the families along as well? Not only is it a life-saving skill, but it's also a confidence-building skill. And I think that you know, any member of our scholars' families would certainly benefit from that. I think that's fantastic. Swimming doesn't seem to be in this summer's lineup, though, is it? Not for us, unfortunately, because uh, as we, since we aren't able to convene our families and our scholars in person, it makes the swimming a little more challenging. Although the CDC has released um, some swimming guidelines or swimming pool guidelines that would make that feasible, but were it not for the, uh, the fact that we're not having our, our scholars on campus. So unfortunately, while that is always in our schools, uh, our student surveys are, is always one of the most popular <laughs> features of our program, uh, we unfortunately aren't going to be able to, to do that this year. Mm, here's hoping for next year. Yeah. In 2013, Horizons National decided to invest in Metro Atlanta. Do you have numbers, Alex? on the impact of the organization on the lives of underserved students and their families in Atlanta? We are very quantitatively driven in terms of our, um, both the approach we take to our programming, but also in measuring and, and being able to look at how we're doing impact-wise. 
And some of the key metrics that, that we track, and um, we track this very, very closely. The first one is obviously academic growth. And we have consistently been moving our scholars forward on average about two to three months in academic growth, both in literacy and in mathematics each summer. We're particularly proud of that because we only have our kids for six weeks. So the fact that over those six weeks, we're able to move them forward three months, uh, almost twice that, uh, is pretty remarkable. Um, we also track attendance. Um, our attendance numbers on average are in the 90, high 90 percentile, which we're very proud of as well because we think we're essentially instilling good habits in our scholars and, and just really changing their attitude towards the educational experience. The fact that they are eager to attend our programs, we hope translates to their attendance um, during the school year. And we're also uh, starting to correlate those numbers with their attendance and other academic performance numbers with the public schools. The most important thing to us though is, you know, while we are proud of these attendance numbers and academic growth numbers, is the annual surveys that we do for both the scholars and their families. Um, and those are always very, very strong and that they're enjoying them themselves. They're having a great experience. They do feel very connected and, and part of something special. And I think that's an important sentiment to, to convey and, and instill in our scholars as well because of the situations or conditions that many of them come to us. They, they haven't had a whole lot or have had a lot of opportunity. And the fact that um, we can provide them that experience over the summer and the fact that they respond and really enjoy it, I think uh, is the most rewarding thing of the work we do. Who are your instructors? So our instructors are a combination of both public school instructors, as well as instructors from each one of the host institutions. Um, it's important to us to have that blend because we think it's a great kind of partnership opportunity but more importantly, the public school teachers then go back to the public schools during the, the school year, and they can maintain contact and relationships with the scholars um, that are in their school, but then also kind of take back their experiences and what they've learned and what they've learned from other instructors back to their, teaching, their, their school year teaching environments. We find that our, our teacher retention rate is very high, too, because we allow them to come into our, our classrooms in the summer and be creative and flex what I, what I call flex their teaching muscles, what they learn to do and were trained to do and, and sometimes may not have that flexibility during the school year. Uh, we want to give them that during our summer experience because when they're having fun and they're really uh, engaged in, in their teaching because it's something they've created, um, we just believe that translates directly down into the student experience as well. Oh, absolutely. Everyone wins. Alex, as many of our listeners know, you served as a city councilman for Atlanta's District 6 for two terms. You were appointed executive director of Horizons in 2018 following your service as a councilman. How has your experience serving on the city council inform the way you approach helping underserved communities? Well, Lois, when I was on city council, I mean, that was one of the things that I, I worked very hard on and, and was a priority of mine, was really lifting all communities across the city, you know, not just for my district that I represented, but represented, but also across the city. When I left city council and was looking for kind of what my next step would be, and what was very, very clear to me was that education was really the strongest correlation to being able to provide um, opportunities and close achievement gaps for communities. So I was naturally drawn just to the, the industry itself and then to Horizons, giving, given the important role we play in the summer space, um, knowing that there, were a lot, there was a lot of reform and uh, support going on during the academic year. In terms of specific experiences or skills, the one thing that I found that I bring directly from my council experience is just you know, building relationships. We are at an interesting kind of convergence of the education lanes, the higher education institutions, as well as the independent schools, and then back into the philanthropic and corporate and individual communities. And I think the skills that I, I gained kind of working with all sorts of different groups and people when I was on city council and the relationships I built through the city as well as into the school board, the county, as well as the state have all been very, very useful for me in this role as executive director. It's uh, 
it's been a great experience. I've had a lot of fun. You know, I'll miss seeing the scholars this summer because they always bring a smile to my face. There's always a story, an inspirational story of accomplishments that a, any particular scholar makes during the summer that really drives home why we do what we do. But it's been a great experience and it's been nice kind of taking everything that I was able to add to my toolkit from city council into this position to help communities. That was Alex Wan, executive director of Horizons Atlanta. This is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. We're fundraising today, but we're keeping these breaks very short to get you right back to the show. Please help if you can at wabe.org slash donate. City Lights producer Summer Evans joins me now. That's wabe.org slash donate, or you can call 678-553-9090. Your donation helps us bring you the latest news about the coronavirus pandemic, the 2020 election, and so much more. Today, we're partnering with St. Vincent de Paul, Georgia, to help low-income essential workers. Every donation we get today from listeners like you will pay for a week's worth of transportation assistance for an essential worker. In order to make that happen, give right now at wabe.org slash donate. Yes, please give now at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. City Lights is here for you every weekday. We bring you interesting conversations, connecting you with Atlanta's arts community. You rely on us, now we're relying on you to make a donation if you can. Please give right now at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. We need your donation because 84% of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. Many of our listeners give $15 a month, but please donate what you feel you can afford by going to wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. We'll return to City Lights in about 30 seconds. Thank you, everyone who has helped us today. Now we look forward to hearing from you. Please donate at 678-553-9090. Or by going to wabe.org slash donate. It only takes a couple of minutes to give. If you're already a sustaining member of WABE, please consider giving an additional gift if you can. It really would help us during these challenging times. Make your donation by calling 678-553-9090 or by going to wabe.org slash donate. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Plaza Theater closed its doors indefinitely two months ago, early in the lockdown process. The Plaza is the only locally owned indie theater in Atlanta. Chris Escobar bought the Plaza a few years ago. He is also the executive director of the Atlanta Film Society. He joins us via Zoom now. Chris, welcome back to City Lights. Always a pleasure. The last time we spoke was in March, soon after the plaza shut down in the wake of the pandemic. One of the biggest changes since we last spoke has been the introduction of the pop-up drive-in. What first gave you the idea to do a drive-in movie series. 
we had been looking at doing it ever since the order from the city came down, but before the shelter in place effect uh, had gone had gone in. And then once that happened, then we kind of had stalled mid plans and had to put things on hold. And so once the, the governor's orders came and there was this big rush and question of, you know, were we going to reopen our doors while we weren't going to do that, we did want to find a way that we could continue to serve the community and keep our staff safe and keep our, our customers safe. And so we thought, man, the, the drive-in seems like a really, really great option. And it's also kind of reinvigorated the property there because now some of the restaurants are, are, are reopening for carryout service and some of them are even doing service, you know, straight to people's cars during the movie, which is really awesome. But now really though, because we're doing it at the Plaza, which is one of the sites for the Atlanta Film Festival, which would have, which would have just wrapped uh, this past weekend and takes place at the Plaza, takes place at Dad's Garage. But when I was on your show last, back in March, you posted kind of an update of what was happening with, with the Plaza and with Dad's Garage. And so in some ways, the credit goes to you all because that is actually the site of our second drive-in location at Dad's Garage. Well, we are really thrilled to play the role of matchmaker with two great Atlanta arts and cultural organizations. When you said it, it's kind of reinvigorated the property. I should add the property you mean is the shopping center on Ponce de Leon at North Highland Avenue. Yeah, it's been normally known as the as the Briarcliff Plaza. They refer to it now as Plaza on Ponce. But um, yeah, it's where Southern Belle is, Insomnia Cookies, The Majestic, although they've yet to reopen. But The Righteous Room, which which just started doing some limited service this past weekend during our drive-in hours. How great to be able to take our food and safely eat it in your car while you're enjoying a movie. The next screening will be at Dad's Garage, as you mentioned. What determined your choice of movies for this series? It was the same thing that determined that opening our doors like normal was not the right time. And that was our credible community. Uh, we had some survey results that came in. We had over 600 people participating in the survey. And, and it indicated some of the top choices that we're going to be doing, which I'd be glad to share for the first time here, which is this coming weekend. We're going to be doing Jurassic Park and Clue, which is the 1985 film. And then we're also going to be doing the uh, Jim Henson film, Dark Crystal. Oh, now how are you ensuring that people attending these screenings will remain safe? So our drive-ins, be it at the plaza or the or the dad's garage locations, are completely contact-free, which is a little bit different than, than a drive-in. And what I mean by that is we've thought through every kind of component from the ticketing, which is strictly online and in advance, and you pay sort of per person, but in the car, and there's a sliding scale where the more people that are in your car, the less per person you're paying. Uh, we scan those tickets right through the windows. So there's no contact ever and people can keep their windows up. People can bring their own food. And if uh, there's food available, either the plaza concessions or nearby restaurants, that food can be brought straight to their vehicle. And then we're encouraging folks to use a restroom in advance, but we do have restrooms on site, but there's social distancing practiced with those. So if it's at the plaza, we have a distance queue line outside, and we only let one to each restroom at a time. And so that way you're never in, the, in a space with somebody else at the same time. And so we've kind of thought about all these components. And so not only does it look good and sound good and you get the audio over radio, but you get also a, an experience that allows you to experience it with others and with those you're sheltering in place with in the car, but without compromising your safety. How does that audio over radio work? So it, there's a there's a low power ultra hyper locally uh, FM transmitter um, that's really kind of just reaches the parking lot, and so folks just tune into the station that we provide uh, that day and they hear a full stereo feed of the audio from the movie. And the nice thing is cars are already inherently surround sound, so <laughs> and they have an incredible frequency range, and so it's an incredible way to listen to a movie when you're really um, literally immersed in the sound. Chris, preparing for our conversation today, I was amazed by the number of partners joining you for this. You mentioned those restrooms, which are state-of-the-art, 
the screening, the audio. How long did it take you to bring all this together? It took less time than you would think. And that's only just because we are we are very lucky and very fortunate to have a lot of support. I mean, we've seen the community individuals that have been contributing to the GoFundMe or to purchasing things online just to support the theater. But when we had an opportunity where we could reach out to some companies and we said, hey, we need some restrooms or we need this or that, we've had a number of people really going out of their way and honestly, with no obligation at all, doing things that we're very fortunate to have. So if it's from EM Rentals Group that donated the scaffolding to even, for instance, Georgia Power at the Dad's Garage location, there's a number of street lights. You know, that's another thing we don't normally have to worry about is, is ambient lighting outside of our control. But Georgia Power was kind enough to, you know, go out of their way to help us sort that situation out. And, uh, and so we've had from companies, uh, both small and, and, you know, large utilities to individuals, uh, my friend Gary Saputis, who's a production manager, is lending us his brain and know-how. And another friend, David Luce, who's a locations manager in film and TV production, helping us navigate how to problem solve. I mean, we're just incredibly lucky to have so many, so many people supporting us um, and helping us make this happen. Because I think they all get that, you know, everyone's anxious to do something, first of all. <laughs> and even if that's work a little bit. And, uh, and, then, and then to be able to help and make something neat that has kind of seemed not feasible, which is go out to the movies. Still, it's a fantastic collaborative effort, and it says a lot about our community and your role in the film community. Well, I think it says a lot about the generosity of the Atlanta community, certainly. And and for instance, Dad's Garage, who was uh, has been unfortunately closed, and people haven't been able to join their programming because they're trying to keep their performers and everybody safe. Uh, when we reached out to them and said, could we could we be there? Um, they said yes, and, and they weren't going to charge us to use their parking lot, which they normally, it's, they, they're charged film productions and things like that. And so we, we insisted, we said, no, we, we want to do a setup where you guys get a percentage of the ticket sales. And so then, then of course, they accepted. And so I love that, that folks who come and are supporting us are also supporting folks like Dad's Garage in a way that kind of looks out for everybody's interests and a way to make this sustainable. Isn't that great that their reaction was the standard improv, yes, and? <laughs> That's exactly right. You've also embraced digital movie streams, including a screening of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is practically synonymous with the Plaza Theater in Atlanta. What's been the reaction to those events? Those have been really unique, and we've been doing those, what we call our, the Rocky Horror Quarantine Show, and <laughs> it's been <laughs> it's been the most unique Zoom meeting anyone's ever attended. And we've been doing those uh, on Fridays, as is typical for the Plaza Rocky Horror, and that's been just strictly for the folks who are in the Plaza Movie Club, which is people who contribute at any level to the GoFundMe. And you know, the first one we had seventy people on this Zoom meeting. And unlike if anyone else is joining them where everyone's muted and all that kind of thing, everyone has the ability to have their video on and their audio on. And so we are all literally in the same virtual room together. And the interesting thing about that is that why that was necessary was because it's not just about the movie. It's also about the shadow performance that the cast from Lips Down on Dixie performs along with the film. And people are able to enjoy that in a way where that actually becomes more center stage and the movie takes a back seat. But then the audience participation is the other vital component to this experience. And so we couldn't do this without ha having that ability. But the cool thing is that the movie serves as sort of a click track. And so as chaotic as it may sound to have up to 70 or more people, you know, with their mute off, uh, it actually works really well and it's really enjoyable. And it really does give you a sense of, of, of normalcy, so to speak, of being able to, you know, interact with other people in the room, even if you don't even know who they are. Uh, when normal means chaos, it's all great. <laughs> Chris, you have compared this uncertain time to the leap of faith scene in Indiana Jones. Would you elaborate? Yeah. I mean, for one, owning an 81-year-old business of any kind, certainly a movie theater, has its obstacles. And, and even navigating, you know, all this process of closing and trying to pivot and keeping 
staff on payroll and all that. Those are obstacles in their own. And, and so I, I, I can't help but think in movies all the time. And I, and I think about that scene where, where Indy kind of approaches this large crevice or opening where, you know, there would be a bridge there typically, and there isn't one. And so that, I kind of feel like that a little bit. It's like, I've already overcome all these obstacles. I feel like I'm almost there. And, and now I approach this huge pit. And, and what I'm realizing is that I really just have to keep moving forward in faith with my creator and faith with our community and faith that we'll, we'll all, you know, come together and, and do the right thing. And so far I've been lucky enough to be rewarded with that faith, you know, from the way my staff is stepping up, from the way the community is stepping up, from the way that, you know, so many people who are either friends of mine or folks I've never met and are friends of the plaza and plenty of people who have been neither and just hear our story and are, and are moved and, and want to send their words of encouragement or, you know, their, their support or whatever, you know, what have you. And so I think it is always a lot easier to have faith when that faith is always constantly replenished. Uh, and, and I, and I do recognize, and you got to understand a lot of people don't have that luck. And so I try and not take that reward for granted and try and be constantly grateful for it. It's a beautiful attitude and how characteristic of you that you turn to a film metaphor. I bet you dream movie metaphors, <laughs> Christopher Escobar. My staff constantly teases me that I always speak in metaphors. Sometimes they work well. Sometimes they, they fail. <laughs> no, I think it's great. And if um, you've ever seen the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Remember, she says everything is a metaphor. We have spoken with many arts leaders who say they don't know when they'll reopen, but they have discussed possible scenarios. The drive-in is a great solution for now, and maybe you'll even retain that after the pandemic ends. What are your thoughts about the eventual reopening of the plaza. So I, I will say for one, I've, I've been saying for years that uh, the arts community and, and certainly the one here in Atlanta is always being creative. And so a, as a source of creativity for solutions and workarounds, and this is certainly a huge instance that needs those, the arts community is being incredibly vibrant. I, I was on a uh, a Zoom meeting uh, organized by Dad's Garage, but got to hear some of the, the incredible leadership that the Atlanta Contemporary is doing in their solutions and how thorough they thought through what the reopening process will look like. And certainly we're learning from that. Before our closure, had taken about 20 different steps to operate you know, more safely, including the CDC guidelines, as well as everything we knew about how we operate. And so we were doing everything from closing off every other row to create social distancing, to propping all the doors open to minimize, you know, the need for anyone to even touch um, doors or anything like that. Uh, and even little tiny things like people who get a refill on their drinks and popcorn, we just toss that, they toss that container, we get them a new one. You know, so just thinking through all of that and really, again, that's only possible because my staff is, is awesome and, uh, and kind of thought through every, every point. And so when that will happen at the plaza, it's a little too early to tell. It would be amazing if that was sometime in, in June or July, but I'm also realizing that, as Dr. Anthony Fauci says, you know, you, you don't make plans, the, the, vi the virus makes plans, the virus makes a schedule. And so, you know, I think it's just a matter of what can we do now and how do we inform what we do now to have some sustainability and some, and some long-term play, uh, but then also, you know, go ahead and position what when we reopen looks like and that, so that we're not caught off guard and we are prepared and so we're thinking about this not only for screenings, but for instance, with the Atlanta Film Society programming, how this might turns, translate into some of our education programming if we have to do it in drive-in format and can use some of the same setup and technology and some of those things. But then the Atlanta Film Festival, which would have, like I said, happened just this past weekend and it's now in September, if we can't be back in theaters in, in September, well, we're gonna do a drive-in film festival, you know, whatever it takes so that we don't have to compromise anyone's safety for anyone having a good time. 
Congratulations on your creative solutions, and thank you for keeping Atlanta entertained, even during the worst of times. Christopher Escobar, it's always a pleasure. The pleasure's mine. Thank you, Lois. Christopher Escobar is the executive director of the Atlanta Film Society and owner of the Plaza Theater. This is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. We're in our spring member drive, but please stay right here. This break will be very short. We need your help to keep WABE going. That's because 84% of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. So please give right now at wabe.org slash donate. Summer Evans, WABE City Lights producer, joins us now. You can call 678-553-9090, or you can go to wabe.org slash donate. Your donation helps WABE continue its news coverage in shows like City Lights, which give you a respite from the news. And here's another reason to give right now. Today, we're partnering with St. Vincent de Paul, Georgia. Your one donation means a low-income essential worker will receive a week's worth of transportation assistance. So please help us out right now and go to wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. WABE.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Thinking back over the past two months, WABE has done a lot with news coverage and City Lights has informed you about the solidarity of Atlanta's arts community. Please show your solidarity with us right now to help pay for our programming. If you can, please donate at wabe.org slash donate. Or by calling 678-553-9090. Every day on City Lights, Lois talks with comedians like Paula Poundstone, musicians like Michael Stipe of REM, and countless arts organizations around the Atlanta area. She brings you the heart and hustle of Atlanta. But we can only do that with your support. It's why we need your donation. Many of our listeners donate about $15 a month, but please give what you can afford by going to wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. We're returning to City Lights in about 30 seconds. Thanks to all of you who have helped us today. We look forward to hearing from you, too. Please give at 678 678- Five five three ninety ninety, or by going to wabe.org/donate. It only takes a couple minutes to give, and if you've never been a WABE member or your membership has lapsed, I'm talking to you right now. Please do your part. As a WABE member, you help provide the Atlanta community with accurate contextual news and information. You know what amount is right for you, but fifteen dollars a month is the average gift. Just go to wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. Social justice and art intersect in equitable dinners. Lift Every Voice, a series created by Out of Hand Theater with the National Center for Civil and Human Rights. Held monthly through September, each dinner in the Lift Every Voice series features a short play commissioned for the event, followed by guest speakers who are experts on issues related to the play. This Sunday's play was written by Amina McIntyre. She's with us now via Zoom along with Cecily Garrett, an expert on food insecurity and part of the Equitable Dinners design team. Welcome to City Lights. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Amina, how did you end up partnering with Out of Hand Theater? Well, I'd actually partnered with Out of Hand before on just a think tank for another project. And 
Ariel and I have been in conversations about some other different projects that could possibly come up because she knew that I wrote. Um, and she sent an email out about a couple months ago and was like, hey, we have this idea, any playwrights interested? And I was like, sure, you know, chop my name in the hat if, if that works. Here you are and Ariel, you're speaking of Ariel Fristo, the director. What can you tell us about the play without spoilers, of course? This month focuses on food equity. And so the play, for me, I wanted to make sure that it was something that was relatable and accessible. And so it follows a young woman who is trying to figure out how to feed her children. And it brings up a lot of different issues um, that we face every day on how to just make sure that we have enough food after rent is paid, after utilities are paid, after all those other things are taken care of, making sure that we just have enough food. Um, and I will put one thing in there. It does kind of follow a recipe and it does have a little tech, social media involvement inside of the piece. Oh, how creative. We're not very far into it, but can you tell us in what ways so far COVID-19 has influenced your writing and your career? For me, it's made me a little bit more reflexive, thinking about my feelings, thinking about, okay, not putting pressure on myself to create something, but when things come out, making sure that I allow them to come out organically, even if it's the first draft and I have to revise it, but really thinking about what I, I can possibly write. Um, for me, because I, I write primarily, ironically, there are a lot more theaters that are responding back to works for playwrights that they may not have had a chance to actually read during the time because very often in the production process, most theaters don't have time to really do a lot of the reading work, but a lot more have time to read. And so I've even been in conversations with colleagues who have said, oh, in the past year, in the past two years, I would sent something in and didn't think I would ever get a response. And people have gotten responses about readings, especially virtual ones. Um, I've gotten invited actually to a lot, to do a lot of, to write for a lot of virtual readings and to also read stage directions for virtual readings. Um, and also I've started just working with some playwrights um, to do a weekly group where we just sit down and we write for about an hour, 30 minutes to an hour once a week to, um, to kind of just remind ourselves that what we're doing and to kind of make it a lunch break so that we feel like we're still working in the process. My goodness, there is a silver lining to shelter in place, at least, at least for playwrights, it seems. That's very encouraging, but I commend you on your role as an essential worker as well. Cecily, you have years of experience addressing food insecurity. What do you see as the role of theater in dealing with such tough issues? Art can be a very powerful tool for social justice and equity. And I think it always has been um, a, a really great partner because I think it connects with people in a way that facts and numbers cannot. And it also has the ability to be universal, no matter what backgrounds people come from, and it taps into people's emotions and the human side. And that's what you sort of need to bring people into a movement. You need to change the narratives that they have attached to some issue or thought about it and make it uh, very personal for them. And I feel like art resonates with people in that way. Cecily Garrett of Equitable Dinners, Lift Every Voice along with playwright and director Amina McIntyre. This is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. We're fundraising today, but don't go away. We're keeping these breaks as short as possible. Please help if you can at wabe.org slash donate. Joining me now is City Lights producer Summer Evans, you can go to wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. Your donation right now helps pay for all the critical news and information you get right here on WABE. Today, we're partnering with St. Vincent de Paul, Georgia to help low-income essential workers. Every donation we get today from listeners like you will pay for a week's worth of transportation assistance for an essential worker. But in order to make that happen, you got to give right now at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090.
wabe.org slash donate or 678-553-9090. Thanks to you who have already made donations. People like Anthony Arancha. He says, WABE continues to be my most steadfast teacher since I can remember. I adore both the reporting skills and personalities of everyone I hear. Thank you, Anthony. Now we need to hear from you. We can only provide this type of programming because of donations from listeners like you. So please give at wabe.org slash donate. Or by calling 678-553-9090. It's important that we hear from you right now because 84% of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. Many of our listeners are sustaining members who donate about $15 a month but please give what you feel you can afford by going to wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. Okay, City Lights is 30 seconds away. Thank you very much, all of you who have donated so far during the drive. Now we look forward to hearing from you too. Please give at 678-553-9090 or by going to wabe.org slash donate. If you donate online, you'll get to see all of the great thank you gifts we offer to members. It only takes a couple of minutes to give, and if you're already a sustaining member of WABE, please consider giving an additional gift. We need you, Atlanta. Go to wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. And thanks. You've been listening to City Lights, our daily celebration of Atlanta arts and culture. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. when Chef Alton Brown and Elizabeth Ingram invite you into their quarantine kitchen. Our producers are Summer Evans and Ryan McFadden. Kevin Rinker is our engineer. And I'm Lois Reitzes. I'd love it if you'd follow me on Twitter at L-O-I-S-R-E-I-T-Z-E-S. Do subscribe to our new podcast on just about any app. Stay safe, wishing you well, and thanks for listening to member-supported radio, WABE, Atlanta's Choice for NPR. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. The world is full of mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary. But when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org slash donate. And thanks.